0: Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. Though a turbulent time for Ligue 1 sides in Europe, as well as behind the scenes, with the ongoing chaos surrounding the league's domestic TV rights, there can be little doubt that the league is as lively and competitive as ever, with two points separating the current top five after the latest round of fixtures. Second, third, fourth and fifth are all on 23 points, with PSG on 25 Paris Saint-Germain could have extended their lead, but they were held to a 2 all draw against Bordeaux at the Parc des Princes, while Marseille and Lyon chased, uh, closed the gap with wins over Nantes and Rams, respectively. We'll be taking a detailed look at these matches and share our thoughts on a couple of the upcoming European fixtures this week. European football every week, I guess, is basically, you know, we're, we're looking at what's going to happen when the European Super League inevitably kicks in. Um, I'm your host, Jake Smails. Uh, I'm joined again by Muhammad Ali. Good evening, Mo. Evening all. Uh, I'm also joined again by Eric Devin. Hey, Eric. <laughs> hey, how we doing? Good, good. Excited to, to get stuck in, especially to Hatem Ben Arthur's antics this weekend, which <laughs> you wrote about in The Guardian for GFFN's uh, weekly collaboration piece. Um, and I'm also joined by uh, Philippe Bargiel. How's it going, Phil?
1: Good evening, Jake. Good evening, everyone.
0: Everything's fine, despite Saturday evening. <laughs> Everything's fine, despite Saturday evening. Well, that is where I think we should start, um, as it was probably the most dramatic encounter of the weekend in Ligan, as a strong PSG side, including Kylian Mbappe, Neymar and Marco Verratti, were held to a 2-all draw by Bordeaux. Uh, it was an own goal from Paris Saint-Germain debutant Timothée Pombele, which gave Bordeaux the lead, uh, to which the home side responded with a goal from Moisey Kane and a converted penalty from Neymar. Uh, and it was former PSG players Hattem Ben-Arthur and Yassine Adli combining for a brilliant Bordeaux equaliser with the match ending to all. Um, excellent stuff from Les Girondins. Uh, I want st- to... Start uh, with the away side, who obviously performed valiantly, um, but I don't see anywhere else we can start than with the man himself, Hatem Ben Arthur, who came back to haunt PSG there. One assist, five key passes for the man who made Le Keep's team of the week. Um, he scored the winner against Rennes last week. He's back, back in business. Uh, Eric, I know you wrote, as I said, the, um, the piece in The Guardian this week, the GFFN collaboration. Talk to us about his performance on Saturday night.
2: Yeah, I think that... Right, I mean, we've seen his star wax and wane several times over the last few years, but I think that his ill-fated spell at PSG aside, he's been really a standout player since coming back to France from Newcastle. I mean, he had that, that brilliant campaign at, at Nice, um, 17 goals, playing alongside Valais Germain, who's never looked better since... Uh, and uh, yeah, he he was brilliant at Ren under Julien Stefan. Uh, you know, adding a bit of uh, veteran nous, uh tactical flexibility, flair, sort of knitting together. Um, you know, a rather disparate set of pieces, and I think that at Bordeaux he's got something similar. Right, we have. You know, I I don't think any of the players that Jean Louis Gasset's disposal at Bordeaux are of a magnitude. That can be a game changer. I don't. I don't expect any of those players to get, you know, fifteen or twenty goals a season. Uh, to, you know, be, you know, to be an attacking threat week in and week out. What you've got is a bunch of players who, you know, not to say that they weren't, you know, at a higher level at some point in their careers. You know, Jimmy Briand obviously has a fairly decorated history, but I think that, you know, this team has. You know, under Gas, they built a reputation of being, you know, save that match against Monaco, being defensively solid. Then steel, no goalkeeper in Europe's top five leagues, has more clean sheets. Uh, Laurent Koscielny looks as assured as as ever. Uh, Paul Baez and Pablo have been decent as well. And that midfield access of Otavio and Toma Basic has been strong as well. But where they, you know, where they, what keeps them from challenging for for European places has been. You know that that expected, that bit of flair. I mean, they have, you know, Josh Maia can have a decent day, you know, but uh, Nicolas De Preville and Remy Udan have been pretty poor this season. Um, Samuel Kalu's dealt with injury. Uh, they lost Francois Camino. So to have a player who has that sort of unpredictability and playability, uh, that flair, to not necessarily be an orthodox number ten, but to just not 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 get the opportunity Opposition in the sense of what to expect, I think, uh, is, is something that can really make a difference for Bordeaux. I don't think that they are going to challenge for European places, but I don't think, nor do I think they are going to be as dire a watch uh, as they generally have been, or had been, I should say, prior to Ben Arfa's signing and prior to him starting to round into form. And that is something we should emphasize, too. He was only signed at the beginning of October. Uh, he is starting to look like a player who, uh, who can make a real difference. And Gasset even said after the match on Saturday that, you know, when he's actually back in shape, look out. So uh, Gasset seems to think that, he, that there's more to come from Ben Arpa, which, again, you know, Porto uh, are one of Liga's big clubs, even if they haven't uh, had the great greatest set of performances over the past decade. Um, but, you know, given their the tradition and the history there, it's, it's good to see them perhaps start to be on the upswing as a team that's really had... More than its fair shares of highs and lows uh, over the past few years, given managerial turn- turnover, uh, signing' not working out. So uh, yeah, it just, it, it, it's great to see, you know someone who is a league on legend uh, enjoying a bit of a renaissance. And again, you know I think for the neutral, too, it's, it's good, to see, good to see. For the neutral, I think it makes the league more compelling. If we, see, if we don't see that it's a, a one-horse race in terms of PSG's ability to uh, evince a level of success uh, you know, to not be steamrolling opposition. This is the second match in a row, in which they've dropped points after a seven or eight-match winning run. Uh, so it, I think it also is a, is a nice thing to see in terms of viewing the league through the lens of competitive balance.
0: It is. And, and having, having such mercurial players like um, Hatem Ben-Arthur at teams like Bordeaux, who, as you point out, are a, are, a, are a big club in the league, but you know clearly have kind of fallen on hard times in more recent seasons, is a big deal. But I do just want to focus on, I, I mean, Mo, I know you said that you saw the game. He was, you know, Eric talks about him being the X factor and um, starting to look like a potential difference maker. He was the difference maker on, on Friday night, wasn't he? Saturday night, I should say.
3: Yeah. Um, part of me actually thinks, you know, whether there's a sort of pietesque mentality in him for someone that's, you know, been wronged so much um, by, by Paris, obviously, over the last couple of years that he's he stood up and uh, made himself counted on, on, on the field. Um, and And it showed, didn't it?
0: It really did. It really did. I mean, as I say, five key passes that... That assist for 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 the Yassin Adli Adley goal, which if anyone hasn't seen, is is well worth a watch. Very
3: good, yeah, exactly. Coming in off the right, and the little dummy to exactly to, to Adley. I mean, it was it was it, it was it was perfect. And I think at the age of 33, for someone that has played so little football, I think you know, with half half a couple of games in Spain, um, half dozen game rather, sorry, um, and uh, you know, and then coming up at the Parkley Primes for a team that's in the you know the machinations of Champions League football week in week out. Um, and, you know, excelling. It's is a fantastic boom for him. And I think you can always see that no matter what his mental or physical state or, or, or you know, whatever conditional context he finds himself in, there's a very, very good play in there. No one can, no one can doubt that he is a very, very good player, a very talented player on the ball and in offensive phases. Um, so it's great for him. I just hope that, you know, with that creative outlet like Eric so wonderfully just described, that Bordeaux are able to kick on Uh, from this you know in games that where they need the creative outlook where they need to unlock fixtures where they can get held up in very stuffy games um as we as we've seen so much from bordeaux over the last probably year or two you know lots of nil nils lots of you know narrow stayed defeats um miscommunications from the front line having an active ben arthur can do so much for the new for ren and for nice as well
0: yeah, he can. He really can make the difference for a team like that, you know, where, where he is the, the focal point, if you like. And, and that is now two great performances, two, two games, which perhaps before his arrival, Bordeaux would have struggled in. So we look forward to seeing more of, uh, more of his brilliance and uh, perhaps more consistency from Jean-Louis Gasset's Bordeaux. Moving on to Paris Saint-Germain. Um, again, as with the other week, they were against Monaco. They were leading at the break. Um, but it was a bit of a collapse in the second half. Tuchel came out after the game and said, in the second half, we lacked everything. Discipline, effort, attitude, everything. We did not have the discipline to follow a fan, follow the plan, I should say. I mean, the fans wouldn't have been following that probably either. Phil, surely these things are, are Tuchel's job and these second half collapses, are, uh, I know you last week you pointed out that PSG weren't particularly strong in the first half either, but these second half collapses must be worrying.
1: Yeah, but it's a good thing that Tuchel actually pointed out in the press conference, though, because uh, what was not very uh, very welcome is uh, Tuchel's post-match uh, press conferences uh, at Monaco and against Leipzig, where he said the players are dead, uh, they they've given everything, there's a lot of uh, pressure on them, they're, there's too many games to be to be played with uh, with all the final eight, blah blah blah. I mean, we we I mean we've we've all heard that the, the excuse, but uh, to me it's uh, it's a valid excuse. And uh, contrary to leipzig he did say in the second half it was uh, unacceptable for for a club um f- for the club for you know what it represents and to out of respect for the fans to be playing in such a way um the first half was uh, was a, was okay actually if you if you uh, if you read uh most, most of the reports it's it's really uh, not been not been too bad. I mean I'm still it still infuriates a lot of PSG fans how Neymar can uh, still dribble two players into in the six yard box in front of Kustila, who is still one of the one of the most reliable keepers in the in the league. Um and this is very infuriating and uh, he got he got a lot of flack. Uh, for his performance, uh, actually Mbappe did uh, for his performance against Leipzig as well, which I, I don't I don't think I'm, I really share. But uh, yeah, the, a lot of a lot of experts are saying uh, that uh, the the attitude is not is not right, and that kind of uh, dribbling skill, not wanting to to have a shot at the ball when he enters the penalty area and uh, waiting for two defenders to come on him so to to dribble them and then fall down. So of course afterwards he scores a penalty, so all is forgiven. But uh, still, wasn't uh, wasn't uh, pre- uh, appreciated by all the fans, all the PSG fans. Aside for that, we have a débutant. We had uh, Timothy Pembele, who uh, who was uh, who was good on the ball. Uh, pretty rough on him to to score an own goal in his first uh, uh, first career game uh, at home, even if it is without the. Uh, Without the fans, uh, but still, still solid. And uh, yeah, second half uh, not not really, not really caring about uh, about much. Bordeaux could have uh, could have won uh, it late. Uh, Depréville had a had a late opportunity. Yeah, but all in all, one. yeah, one on one, yeah. And uh, actually, if he well, if he was a bit if he was a bit taller, he could have uh, yeah, rebound could have hit his uh, his. Uh, his uh, his uh, upper shoulder, or maybe it could have bounced back in, but you know it's uh, it's de So uh, it just uh, it just uh, doesn't uh, didn't, didn't go in for him this time. It just uh, yeah. And then you've got Tuchel saying saying these things, which were which were well received, shall we say, after what's been going on. There's a big problem. There's a problem with Di Maria. He took off Di Maria first against Leipzig to uh to switch back to a 532 which was a great, which was a te- tactical good move i thought it was uh, really not well well received at the time i thought it was good because it enabled the, the, the team to uh to uh to sit to sit back and uh, against the side like that so it was a smart move um and Di Maria, when he took him off uh he he had a bit of a moan and uh so that uh, that didn't that didn't go d- go down well uh, to be honest, because he had a he had a poor game, and when uh, he came on after half an hour, after an hour, sorry, 63 minutes, he replaced uh, Rafinha on Saturday. Um, he he wasn't very good either. So there there may be a, a, a Di Maria issue between uh, between Tuchel and uh, and Di Maria. Um, but uh, generally, he's he's actually saying to the players, "Look, uh, I, I can't defend, I can't defend you, if uh, if I can't say if what I say to you in the dressing room isn't isn't you know you don't you don't react to, uh, on it, you know I'm, I'm telling the press, and that's pretty much what he did. So we'll see what happens on Wednesday.
0: Well, it's pretty worrying. I mean, if he's doing his team talks through the press, I get that it's you know it's good to to not always kind of blindly defend your players, but but you know it does sound. You know, that's surely that could be the beginning of uh, of serious relationships deteriorating, and um, you know, could be big problems further down the line. I mean, you mentioned Di Maria uh, there, and uh-huh. you know, potential breakdown in 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 perhaps a relationship with Tuchel or at least his form, which would be be a real disaster, considering how consistent he's been. He was obviously uh, a key player last time uh, Paris Saint Germain travelled to Manchester. When they won that game two 0 in the knockout rounds of the Champions League, obviously Manchester United overturned that uh, first leg result. But they go to Man United again uh, in pretty, you know, crucial circumstances here uh, on in the Champions League this week. Um, considering that their last game is a- Paris Saint Germain is against Bashak here, you know, you'd think it's okay. Maybe not a must win now that they've got that result against Leipzig, but. But it's it's vital they get a result here, Phil. No, especially in the current climate.
1: No, we can't we can't lose. But uh, I actually haven't. Uh, I've been thinking. Um, I don't think a draw is, a, is actually a bad result. I mean, depending on Leipzig beating Istanbul, and uh, to, and uh, by the way, uh, that game is is the uh, uh, seven o'clock kickoff in France, so six o'clock in England. Um, so we'll know the Leipzig result before kickoff at uh, at Old Trafford, which is something I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. But in terms of making your calculations and stuff, it's. Uh... But I don't, I don't think that a draw is uh, is actually a bad result because then Leipzig and uh, and Manchester United play each other. Of course, uh, this would uh, this would mean that we have to beat Istanbul. And uh, there's also there's uh, to, to me there's something uh, I, I call the the, the Ludduguet trauma. Where we were in the uh, in the same group with, with Arsenal, and that all we all we had to do we had been Arsenal on away goals, and all we had to do was beat Luton at home, and we drew 2-2, finished second, and then uh, and then there was the uh, the 6-1 against Barcelona, so I'm almost I'm, I'm almost uh, more scared of not beating Istanbul than uh, than the Manchester United game. Um, there's also uh, so there's the, uh, the the Cavani factor. So I don't know if you guys caught the uh, Southampton versus Manchester United game on Saturday of afternoon. Um, two goals um, from so, uh, yeah, it would be Manny. Yeah, two goals, two goals from Eddie. Uh, so uh, a lot of people are yeah, uh, thinking of, uh, of uh, Cavani scoring against his former club. Um, one thing I would... Uh, uh, that I, uh, the other thing I caught is the other substitute at the same time where uh, David De Gea came off at half-time. Uh, do we know if he's going to be playing?
0: I haven't seen personally. I don't know if anyone else has. So, but
1: because actually, no. you know, given yeah. his recent
0: form, that could be um, you know that might not be the end of the world. You know, I well, think he was letting a, letting a soft goal at the weekend.
1: Well, that's what I was thinking because he was replaced by Darius Henderson. I've been looking him up and he played at Sheffield United last season. Yes, and he, he did all right. Cool. He he, uh, he had a, a goal conceded ratio uh, per game uh, inferior to one. I think it was thirty three in thirty six games. A couple of clean sheets as well, so I, I don't think David de Gea not playing is a good uh, is good omens uh, good omens for us. But you know we we do we do have Neymar, we do have Mbappe, and it is uh, us at Old Trafford, and it went very very well the last time. It was a great day out, honestly. It was absolutely superb. Um, uh, and now this uh, and the return is already is uh, already gone. So I, I mean I I I guess I wouldn't be too uh, uh, too dissatisfied with uh, anything other than a defeat, knowing that uh, if we draw, we're still in it. Uh, if we win, we're still in it. And the best, of course, the best way of uh, of uh, approaching this last uh, game of the Champions League against Istanbul is by winning by two clear goals or by winning by more than by uh, uh, three-two or four-three or something like that, which is possible. I mean, you know. Man United do have their their, their issues, uh, their problems at the back as well, and uh, they they have a lot of problems scoring at scoring at home in the, in the Premier League. So, yeah, not uh, not particularly worried, just like just like against uh, against Leipzig. But should we, we should we should see some goals? It should be fun to watch.
0: It should be fun to watch, you know, and it, I, we also don't know which Manchester United is going to turn up. The Manchester United that uh, seem to love playing in the Champions League, although, mind you, they did lose to uh, Basak Shahir, of course, or the Manchester yeah. United we've been seeing in the Premier League, who are, you know, significantly more wobbly, shall we say. Um, we will see, yeah, which Manchester United side turns up. But certainly, I think no David De Gea a few years ago, we would have said that's a, a curse, but perhaps a blessing in disguise for the home side Let's move on now to talk about the other. I suppose, well, given what Philippe said, perhaps PSG aren't Champions League strugglers as such, but Marseille certainly are. Um, They obviously um, broke the uh, unwanted record of uh, consecutive Champions League defeats midweek with that loss to Porto. Um, They hosted Nantes in Ligue 1 this weekend, who uh, managed to beat Marseille at the Velodrome in 2019. Um, so in a pretty dismal week for the club, given the securing of that record, um, they uh, the Olympia actually managed to secure victory uh, with quite an impressive performance, a 3-1 win, uh, responding to their critics very much so. Uh, we'll get on to how and whys of that in a second. But Mo, I s- want to start with you. Marseille had 15 shots in that match, nine on target, they managed just one against Strasbourg in the previous league match. Was this a very different Marseille performance, it's fair to say?
3: Yeah, I think in many ways it resembled the uh, 3-1 win over Bordeaux um, in early October. Um, and it was preceded by, if, 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 if people didn't know, um, an incident at the training ground um, at with, in which the team bus was about to prepare to go to the stadium and was barricaded. Well, the, sorry, the, the, the entrance entrance or the exit rather to the training ground was barricaded by fans who demanded to sort of speak at least to the players and put a little bit of pressure on them and obviously for first timers looking at the league table they'll imagine you know there's no reason why that would happen with a team that's only lost one of its 10 league gun games so far but such has been the feeling of humiliation in the Champions League that that's what transpired on Saturday and in 92 seconds um, on the field Florian Tovan scored you know finishing a very, very nice pass from Valentin Rangier. And in essence, you know, Marte looked very, very good offensively. And um, in a game which all three heavily criticised players, which uh, are Benedetto, Dimitri Payet and Florian Tolvan, you know, all again, very, very much criticised for their European performances, all got a goal um, on, on Saturday. So that was very good. I think in particular, the midfield has looked very static, in, in the past, but in Cuisance in and more advanced Rangier, um, either looking at times from 4 2 3 1, to 4 3, 3, interchanging. Um, Rongier in particular looked like the player that he was at Nantes, the player that Marseille had been screaming out for. I think much has been made of how AVB has um, placed a lot of faith in the trio of Camara, Rangier and Samson. Um, Sanson on Saturday was ill with a fever, um, and when when the three of them start, you've got an expected goals of zero point four five, which is yeah. humiliating. It's, it's a very very low figure, um, and when they're not in a side, the three of them to get you know all together, um, and obviously here we had the introduction of Cuisance at times before. We've had Pap Gay Marseille a lot more successful, a lot more enterprising um, on the ball, so. Um, that was a big plus um, on, on on Saturday. It's put the team very well, um, you know, for a big Champions League encounter tomorrow or a Tuesday. Um, and yes, there, there's records, you know, of, of of the club, you know, now having the longest streak of consecutive losses in the Champions League, and also the only team um, out of the thirty-two to not have scored yet. But uh, you know, something I came across—they apparently the only team. In, in the Champions League who have won every game before and after a European encounter. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Well. I
0: suppose. Yeah, very much so. And its <laughs> it, is, it is, does seem like swings and roundabouts so far because when you consider that in Marseille win both their games in hand um they are top of the league no i mean ha- how they are how the new does, leaders yeah yeah i mean how how does that happen really because a, a lot was made of you know okay andrew via Villas- system from last season hasn't you know he's not been able to to move things on because he hasn't had the players uh there a lot been made of the fact that this squad maybe can't deal with having two matches a week but h- how would you explain the such disparate fortunes going on here because there's no way that marseille are the worst. Uh, you know, on paper at least, uh, the worst team in the Champions League. And how, you know, when they're when they're 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 two victories off being top of the league, albeit, um, yeah. You know, perhaps they've not played particularly well for large portions of the league campaign. You know, how 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 do you explain that, Mo?
3: I mean, that's the million dollar question, Jake. I've I've been at pains over the last week to to think about. I mean, I think, you know, you can short down the first fee Olympiacos to. Just, you know, the way the game's gone, that happens. This match national grand victory happens. And then they defeat to Man City. Fair enough. And away at Porto, you think, well, it can't get any worse, can it? So you're, ex- you're expecting something, a big response last week. You know, to lose, it's fair enough. But to play continuously the way they did was just, um, um, you know, a, a debacle, on an embarrassment. And then to come up on Saturday and then comfortably dispatch non to, you know, Paris Saint-Germain have a couple of issues um, with them you know, even though obviously the final score was 3-0, but you know, they did have a couple of issues in that first half. Um and Nantes haven't looked, you know, too poorly. Um and of course they won the development earlier this year. So it's two different faces. And Vilas Boas has been very weird. Very, very weird. And that's that's a polite way of saying <laughs> saying I think that's the polite way of me saying it, of how he's approached the Champions League, you know, he's even come up in the in a press conference saying, um, you know, fatigue has start, set in playing two games a, a week. But this is a team that up until Wednesday hasn- hadn't played for 20 days together. And most of the team aren't mm-hmm. internationals either. So I find that very peculiar. Um, I don't know whether he's, at, you know, up sticks and just, you know, forgot about the Champions League, you know, just very honest about himself and said, you know, the sooner we're out of this, the better. And it's something I'll touch upon later in a, in a different segment. What does this say about the quality of league? And because yeah, well, Marseille are the biggest, you know, evidence of maybe perhaps quality not exactly translating on the continental stage. They're by far from the only French club who are suffering, um, you know, continentally um, despite their league form. So it, there's 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 more wider questions to be asked, of course.
1: Sure. No, anyway, I mean, go for it, Phil. Thanks. Um, well, I'm not going to ask you if you if you want to extend this infamous uh, 13, uh, 13 loss uh, run in the Champions League. Obviously, I think if if Marseille play like they did uh, on Saturday, uh, there will be no defeat at the Vélodrome on uh, Tuesday Tuesday evening. Uh, my question is: Do you want the Europa League?
3: I would like the Europa League um, yeah, yeah. because it's. It's a competition that's been very kind to Marseille, obviously, very recently. Um, but it's also a chance to continue. And, uh, you know, as, as we saw with the potential news today of, of the Coupe de France being cancelled, obviously, the Coupe de la Ligue has long been been now. What are you saving yourself up for? Because by the end of next month, you've only got 19 games till the end of the season. That's you know? Fair. And we've not, we, and obviously, Marseille have not really pulled any trees up in the French Cup recently, so let's not lie. But um this is what players have come to Marseille for. This is essentially the fruits of your labour. And we've got players in the team who, you know, for, for, for criticism or or want for another word, you know, have long been accused of only showing up when it matters. So this is a time that it matters. And if we're gonna go up to, into an environment where there's no European football and there's nothing much. And if Marseille do not succeed in getting top three, which is essentially hotting up, you're going to find yourselves with a lot of disgruntled players, maybe players looking elsewhere. Maybe again, an austerity um, imposed on them by by the board. The club has been in the Champions League now. There's yeah. you know there's riches at Marseille's level, particularly with you know looking at a financial point of view. Two point nine million euros for a win, nearly just under a million euros for every draw, and the fact that no goals have been scored, no points have been made. You know, it's it's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable that the club hasn't redoubled really their efforts, you know. Mar- Marseille lost in the Europa League final in 2018. Three days later lost a Champions League playoff, or was essentially a Champions League playoff, um, even though they beat Amiens, but Lyon grabbed a third point. Not one Marseille fan was upset at the result because they fought to be in the finals. You know, that's what you want to be. You want to be, you know, really at the heat, you know, at the heat of it, right in the middle of everything. And if you lose, so be it, as long as you lose with heart. To approach this Champions League campaign is, in many, in many people's eyes, it's criminal.
0: Well, we hope that uh, Marseille are able to do it for Ligue 1 and, and, and beat Olympiakos this week. You know, you'd know, you think Olympiacos at home is the, the most winnable fi- fixture in that group. Um, Marseille do, however, travel to Manchester City. Um, I believe they yeah travelled to Manchester City yeah, in that last week. fixture. So uh, so you know it's not certainly certainly still going to be a bit of a challenge if they want to break out of that record. I just want to touch on their opponents uh, quickly. Uh, Nantes, of course. Um, you know they this is a side who um, who look to be improving after a, after a win this run. You know they played very well against PSG. You mentioned that that defeat, Mo. I think. Um, but they they played well in that game and they um, um, I think they had two wins in three games going into this. But you know they they are sitting 14th in the league. Mm. Um, they've got a, a talent a talented kind of mixture of of players, I guess players like Moses Simon who was back from injury and obviously Ludovic Bla, who had a had a very good game um, I thought um, um, or decent at least, especially with that goal. But Eric looking at a side like like nonce what what realistically are their goals you know because this is a big club but but they these days they just seem to kind of find themselves since the days of uh, i guess since um claudio ranieri uh, you know they've found themselves kind of like um fluctuating a bit and just kind of marooned in the in the bottom half of the table no
2: yeah you know i i i think that um I think that there's a lack of coherence in terms of in terms of their overall strategy. I think that they've definitely made some some canny buys. You know, look at the likes of uh, of Lusa, um, uh, sorry, uh, blah blah blah, and Coco coming in from Gangnam. Lusa an academy product. Pardon okay. me. Um, and you know, a, a young younger player coming through like cole Moani, and that that makes sense. Um, you know signs of Palois and Castelletto have have been good too. I uh, like the conversion of Giroto as a as a into a center back from a defensive midfielder. Lafont, you know, we know his abilities. Uh, but then, you know, this scattershot approach to strikers. You know, trying to throw things at the. I mean, Colomwani again looks good, but you still have Amon. You still have um, uh, Khalifa Kulabali. Uh There's there just doesn't seem to be a cohesive sporting strategy here. And I think that, that, that even though we have, you know, in Gorku a decent manager, if he's, if he has such a mixed bag of players, there's not necessarily a youth movement, but nor is there, you know, sort of a win now veteran based mentality either, even though, you know, they are bringing in a Sebastian Corsia, uh, a Fabio. Um, so I guess, it's really difficult to discern in a sporting sense and a transfer strategy sense, what not are trying to do. And the results show on the pitch. There is, you know, a talented <laughs> aggregation of players there. I, I like Moses Simon. I, I like Luza, I like blah. Um, you know, Media is a decent defensive midfielder, but then you bring in a player like Pedro Chiravella. I, again, I don't really know what role he fills, but he was mm. one of the clubs marquee signs this summer. Uh, is he what they needed? Or, you know, ever since the departure and unfortunate passing of Miliano Sala, this team without a focal point has, has foundered. And rather than, you know, making a definitive move to replace Sala on the, on the pitch, uh, the club have, again, tried the scattershot approach, and it, it, it hasn't necessarily worked. I think this team, you know, I think Europe is beyond their means, but I think having more cohesion on the pitch... Uh, were they to have, uh, you know, strong established center forward, would make them, you know, a decent, a decent side to watch. I mean, you have throughout the team a lot of creativity, pace. Abdul Carter Bamba is an exciting player with the ball at his feet too. Uh, but again, you know, if you're if Mwani is your, you know, benighted striker as it were, anointed. Um, I think he's got potential, but he's not there yet. So until this team, you know, know what they're doing, whether it's a holistic approach, and going all in on youth, and maybe, you know, going through some bumps before they get an idea of what they want to do, then I think it's a jumbled strategy. That all this being said, though, I do think that with the money that was expected, you know, before the current health crisis from from this new television contract, that perhaps not not thought as a gamble to go all in on youth uh, and they wanted to bring in some better players you know and under corcuop have a more assured sense of being able to stay in liga and you know th- perhaps that idea of money is is turning vladimir petrov's head and and is making things more complicated than they ought necessarily be but it's it's hard to again it's hard to yeah it's hard to know what the club want and that and and in that not wanting they they're you know they're not abject, but are they so much better than the teams that we have seen struggle this season, a Lorient or a, or a, a Dijon? I don't think so, and I think that um, you know maybe these maybe the players who have done well there start to become disinterested. Maybe maybe Lusa says, "Can I do better than this?" Um, you know, does Lafont want to make his move permanent? Um, and those and those elements which have been integral to seen them be successful are you know are going to see pastures greener. We we sort of joke about you know Ben Arfa having you know an eye for a, a new club and wanting a change of scenery. What's to stop these players at Nantes from doing that? You know, I, I think that we we look at Nantes as a club and there there's a tremendous tradition of success there. Uh, the fans of the bourgeois, when they are there, are among the league's best as well. But if there's no ambition towards that tradition, if there's no if there's no fans in these Breton derbies, what is the club really playing at? I, I think in, until they have a, sense of ident- a clearer sense of identity, uh, it's going to be more of the same uh, no matter who the manager is.
1: Yeah, so I think- may say something about the Brigade Loire's in uh, a yeah, big, uh, big war against uh, Valdemarquita, and I don't know if they are going to boycott the, uh, the games when they get back, when the uh, pandemic is over. Uh, but uh, yeah, it seems to be that they that most of them don't want to go back to La Bourgeois or do away games as long as the Kita is the owner.
0: I mean, that's that's a situation that's been on you know at the verge yeah. of boiling point for a long time, and um, you know with 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 Kita's recent suspension, you know you think that I mean I don't know how it's going to pan out, but but it's um, it's it's one,
1: yeah. One, one of the last games that I attended before the pandemic was a PSG not. And uh, there were no away fans because we get well say we're not coming over And so the club said, Okay, well we're not gonna open the uh, the away end then. And uh, yeah, that was I think that's uh, the one and only time I've been to uh, as the Parc de Prince was no with no away end open, which is yeah, pretty dull, would mm. say. Mm. Mm. I went to the Parc de
0: Prince once and there was about forty Dijon fans there, so that kind of felt like there were the away end was closed, but but perhaps not, not fully, but no, it, certainly,
1: certainly they we're, were forty Dijon fans, you know they <laughs>
0: <two dots on laughs> yeah, they make a lot of noise, they did make a lot of noise <laughs> <They> made, <laughs> but the but the um but but certainly, that would be a huge loss, you know because non non support is famed, i think outside of France as well, and it would be it would be such a shame if you know their non uh um slightly uh, eccentric president shall we say was to uh, to come in the way of them. Um, having the full backing of their fan base, and certainly, I think Eric Eric's analysis was was excellent there. You know, interesting, um, pointing out not maybe having a bit of an identity crisis these days, and certainly aside in crying out for a proper centre forward since um, sadly the tragic passing of Emiliano Sala. Let's move on to our our last uh, big league match then, as uh, uh, Lyon hosted Ramps. Uh, Lyon uh, going into the match winless against Rams in, in their last four league meetings, uh, but Lyon also unbeaten since mid-September. Um, Rams looked back to be uh, looked to be back to their more consistent ways prior to the international break, only to lose to Nîmes last weekend. Um, and they could not match a blistering OL, who aided in part by the sending off of Nîmes midfielder Moreto Kasama ran out 3-0 winners, um, inspired Breath. by... Br- what did I say? Neem. Neem Rams. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm doing a, a Jeremy oh, Smith. Oh. I think we've had this on this podcast before. Rams. Yeah. Although well, Neem did also lose by 3. There you go. And, right. had, a, and had a man sent off. And had a man sent <laughs> off. So I could have got away with one there. Thanks guys. But yeah. Um anyway, it was a brilliant uh, performance from Carl Toko Akambi with uh with um was it two one goal and two assists, I believe? Right. Um right. yeah. Yeah. Um, and also a goal from Moussa Dembele, his first uh, in Ligue 1 this season, which is hard to believe. Um, but we'll come on to him in a second. Just before we go into the game, um, Eric, I want to get your thoughts on the Husse Awar situation, because I think it would be interesting to to hear about that. So obviously Awar was not involved in the match. He was um, punished by Janino by for, for not wanting to train after being an unused sub against Angers the weekend before um so uh yeah the situation seems tense there obviously our wanted to leave in the summer wasn't able to get that move what what's going on well it's interesting i i feel like
2: uh, you know leon have, have sort of adapted this um this approach where you know they it's 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 put up or shut up and you know players are are have been you know, cast off at a fairly, fairly rapid rate, um, and I I don't think Alwar is in danger of falling prey to that. But it, I mean, if you look at how quickly the club have discarded Jefferin Adelaide, how quickly the club have discarded uh, Joachim Anderson. Now, again, Anderson, there's more, there more than enough reason given his his play on the pitch for, for him to be sent packing. But again, Ren Adelaide, you know. One could make an argument that, aside from Alwar, he, he's one of the league's most talented central midfielders, or young central midfielders, uh, certainly incredibly gifted creatively, and he hasn't really gotten back to his best in suffering that ACL injury. But, you know, I mean, the fact that he and Anderson had been record signings under the, the role of Juninho as board director has shown that, you know, if Juninho doesn't see Leon's players as, as being ready to buckle down ready to be you know the proverbial team players they're going to be quick to get the boot you know and whether that whether that's in terms of leaving the club right as as we saw with Renato Lade and Anderson or it's or it's a matter of you know be, being sanctioned i mean again would this sanction have been handed down if it were a match of a higher caliber i don't know i don't i, know, I don't know to to what level aginio uh, is is uh, wanting to take this forward, but he certainly seems to be, be being given carte blanche. I mean, Rudy Garcia's comments ar- around around the suspension was were s- sort of seemed to be of reluctant acquiescence. He, he sort of indicated, oh, well, this is what the club wants, so it's a decision that I'll stick by, I'll make do with the squad that I have. Well that doesn't really sound like he necessarily agrees with the punishment being <laughs> being handed out and we know we know ours gifts obviously and again they didn't miss him i mean i i think you know paqueta seems like he's starting to get better at least progressively you know bruno Guimaraes had a fantastic match um so he wasn't really missed um but again that midfield is relatively thin um you know i i think that uh that not having Alwar available to the club, or to this, were this detente to become worse, uh, could really be deleterious to Leon's hopes of staying in the top three. Uh, you know, and given their great form, I think that the club and the player are best suited to making amends and quickly. But, yeah, again, I, I think this is down to the long leash that uh, Jean-Michel Oas seems fit to give uh, Juninho in terms of making these sporting decisions, uh, in terms of what's happening, uh, you know, not only in terms of buying and selling players, but in terms of what's happening internally with the squad. Um, So that shows a great deal of faith on the part of towards Juninho, which I don't think is necessarily fully justified at this point. I think there's more. Mm. I think Juninho needs to prove himself more. Um, But it certainly does show just what a level of power, uh, you know, the former OL midfielder has been given.
0: Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was a, um, it was surprising, um, to me, uh, as you say, kind of given, I guess, uh, with Juninho, uh, perhaps unsurprising in a way, given, you know, uh, Ola's, uh, how he's, how he's kind of let, as you said, um, Juninho kind of take the reins on these things so far during his tenure as sporting director, but still a, a big, big call. And especially if it was one that the coach, you know, wasn't perhaps entirely, um, on board with, but. Is it going to be hard, potentially, um, especially if our, as you kind of pointed out there, Eric, uh, isn't 100% committed to the Lyon project? Understandably, you know, given the calibre of player and the club's interested. But if 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 his head is kind of elsewhere, is is his place potentially at danger? Because I thought the the midfield was excellent. You know, you had the Brazilian trio. I believe it was Thiago Mendes with um, Guimaraes and, and Paquetsa in the midfield. And you mentioned Guimaraes. I think he had his best game of the season to me. I think he, he had a goal and... Uh, 80 I've got 88% pass completion in the opposition half written down so you know he's very influential clearly and 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 Paqueta was had his perhaps his best game in Ligue league so far so you know is it is it do you, do you see that potentially as as Lyon's midfield going forward and and Awa perhaps having difficulty breaking back in or do you, do you think any talk of that is premature at, at this stage
2: well I don't know I mean you know it, it does seem to me that whether this is coming from Rudy Garcia or whether this is coming from Juninho, there is absolutely within this club a a willingness and and a desire to stick with the winning formula. Uh, the fact that Dembele, given his reputation, given you know what his price tag would be were he to be sold, can't get a can't get a start, you know, and he's behind the. I mean, again, you know, the relatively unfancied, right, uh, likes of. Likes of Akambi Tok- and and Katawere. I-, I think that the ethos at Leon right now is prove it on the pitch. And if if again there is this internal friction internal frisson, and you and Awar is not being given a chance to prove it on the pitch, and the team are winning again, I think this is uh, sixteen points from eighteen for Leon. Um, but the, you know, if if he's not missed, then then I then then there's no negative effect to the team. Juninho wants this team to return, if not to their former title-winning streak, and to be at the top table in France, uh, a place where they were not last season, um, despite their Champions League run domestically. Uh, he, he wants this team to be at the top table, and if he sees that Brazilian midfield and, and that starting three to be the way forward, and it doesn't include Hussam or it doesn't include Moussa Dembele, who, two players who I think you would have Thought of, you know, along with Memphis Depay as being sort of a big three for Lyon, I, I think it's immaterial. I think it's immaterial to the way the club are operating at this point in time, and they're going to continue that, you know, with or without a player who may or may not be just dis- dissatisfied with how, how they perceive themselves to be treated, to be being treated.
0: Eric, Eric mentions there, guys. You know the fact that, that that Lyon have won 16 points from their last 18, and you know that in spite of someone like Moussa Dembélé playing a, a, a kind of a bit part role, really, compared to how how important he's been in the last couple of seasons. Um, I want to get another another perspective on this, Mo. Perhaps you can you can take this one, but given um, you know the the likelihood that our, um and Dembele will be moving on fairly soon. OK, maybe not January. Well, let's say, you know, that hypothetically, let's say these guys move on in January. I think Olaf said um, the pie is unlikely to be moving on. But, you know, is there danger of, of this run from Lyon? You know, they have been in excellent form. Um, one loss um, since... Uh, one loss in mid-September, but since then nine matches unbeaten. Is there danger of of that kind of coming undone, or have they just got enough in the tank to do without those kind of players?
3: Um, no, it's, it's a short answer. Um, I yeah. think what what you know the reason of of their you know run at the moment is because they've had these guys back into the side, playing regularly, getting back, and you know improving. I think. Neon's issues in the first part of the season were not so much down to personnel issues. I mean, they were creating chances left, right, and centre. It was finishing. So I think that was just a phase that, you know, similarly faded over time. And now they're, you know, really um, gunning forward, especially, you know, the likes of Cadillac in particular have, have been pretty prol- prolific and Toko as well um, over the last couple of games. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if the other guys have, have a different opinion, but from what I see, it's, it's really, you know, it that, that sort of phase just happens to you know, teams on and off. And that's just the a, a phase that they've negotiated and now are reaping the benefits. Um that being said, I mean without Depay without uh, sorry, not DePai without Dembele and and um Aar, for example, they struggle. You know, they struggle. That team goes down a notch in terms of quality on paper. Um, you know, who they bring in? I'm I don't particularly know, I'm not I, I don't think OLS is is one splash the cash, particularly mid season. Um and given sort of the, the you know the words that they've said um about financial losses and continuing uh, financial imbroglios, you know, related to the fact that they haven't qualified for Europe. Um, you know, the, any any COVID related loans that were brought out and also now, um, with the potential cancellation of the Coupe de France, even less uh, revenue streams and and no date yet for for fans in, in, in France to come back to the stadiums, as, as we now know in England. So, uh, you know, I, I don't see who they bring in. And they, you know, if, if they were to be let go, and I know our said today, you know, he's relatively happy and, you know, not mad at all to, to leave. Um, they really risk their, you know, their season coming undone, in my opinion.
2: Well, I just, I would say to that, Mo, I mean, Memphis was a January signing.
3: So, yeah, but in, in, that, in that January, in, for example, in that signing, uh, sorry, in 2017, uh, uh, that's, that's a different contest in that they were operating from a position of strength. Who did they let go, you know, when they didn't need to? That's That, that, um, that window. That window, if I can recall, in 2017, both PSG, Lyon, and Marseille all brought in big signings, relative signings, rather. You know, your Draxers, your, pi- pi- your Empire, yeah. pi- et etc. That was from a position of relative strength, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess also the Chinese investment was more fresh at that point. You had the revenue streams from again a relatively new Groupama stadium. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's really hard to know at this point, and because it's hard to get a handle too. I think for me, and you know, please if you feel differently about this, just how much power Juninho has, but it seems to be a really outsized amount given how mm-hmm. given what we know of Jean Michel Olas over his you know. 35-odd years running the club, that he's always been – he's always you know, exerted a very tight level of control. And to see this, this much executive power being handed over to Juninho is really interesting because I think we don't really have a handle on who he is yet. Yeah, we know he wants to bring in Brazilians, but I, I think he's such a wild card in terms of his strategy, in terms of transfers, and in terms of personnel management – I don't know, and maybe it's folly to try to predict uh, what what Leon may do in
3: January, uh, being being at buying selling. Uh, are we, you know, are we looking towards and correct me if I'm wrong, a potential changing of the guard from Olas onwards? Is that the reason why Junior is you know, gaining, as you say, so much executive power? Because um, obviously nothing's been said, nothing's been done, but you know, giving you know power in which he hasn't ceded before for a long time. And mm-hmm. I think everyone can, you know, say in agreement that his methods and the way he's acted, you know, seeing fit has not only helped Leon, but, you know, shaped French football perhaps for the better. I think many people can be in agreement for that. So just seeding this much power at a time of uncertainty, you know, for someone that, you know, in terms of executive level experience and management has not only got that experience, but in the small time that has been there, has been average at best and inconsistent at best. I mean,
2: what's what's going on? Well, I mean, I don't know. Olaf is what seventy-two, seventy-three. I mean, he, you know, I think it's clear that he cares for this club and that he he cares for his legacy and he wants he wants the club to continue to do well. But you know, with you know Lacan had been his right hand man for so many years, also retiring, uh, he needed he needed slash needs fresh blood, but. Wow. It's, it's tough, you know, because I think that a strong Leon, you know, you know, I mean, I know you and I, Mo, have our allegiances, but I think Marseille <laughs> being strong and Leon being strong are things that are good for Liga. We can't, for sure. we can't tur- turn our heads from this. And it, it, it is frankly worrying because if we think about, you know, where, where would this Leon team be? I mean, I know they've done well, and some of Junior's acquisitions have looked sharp, but the key players on this team, Denier, um, marcelo has been in form. Anthony Lopez clearly has been in form. Um, you know, if those, if those players, you know, when Marcello's 33, uh, you know, could Denier go somewhere if, if the right bid comes in for him, you know, a, a center back who can play comfortably on the left, I would I I think it's still relatively young at twenty-five or twenty-six. Uh, you know, I could see him being in demand. Um, the moves that would be made to replace them, I think, is is where I would really start to worry for Leon. Um, you know, because I don't see that th- this, you know I don't necessarily see that um the t- a team that Juninho is building, uh, you know, were he to have say our Denier, and Depay depart in the next 12 to 18 months. I don't necessarily see that there's a, co- a coherent level of play coming from Leon, uh if if you know that cadre of players were to depart, and, and that's that to me is what's worrying. Uh, I think that there's less emphasis being placed on the academy. I know we've had some good signs from Sinemali Diomande coming through, for example, um, but I think that the frustrations of Rayan Sherky have have been pretty marked. You know, why isn't he being used more later in matches? You know, I, I, I think he's a player who has, you know, again, he did not do well uh, in starting the other week against Angers. Uh, but, you know, he and Bard, you know, why aren't they being given more chances? I mean, I, I like Maxwell Cornet. I, I like his effort, his running, his attitude. Uh, but the fact that Bard's not being more of given, being given more chances to develop there is also worrying because I, I feel like that de-emphasizes the academy. And you know, if if we think back to, you know, perhaps the last time I think Leon were sort of, you know, at their apex domestically. You know, we look at that team as having Lacazette gone along, you know, Tolisso, even Jordan Ferry. Um, there, you know, and I could I Jordan Ferry. I know we could take her leave, but um, <laughs> th- those those players, those players in that academy based ethos have been, you know the pillar, the backbone of Leon's success, even as there's been canny international scouting, like, look at the likes of bringing in someone, even like Juninho or Kreese. Um But, you know, that model for Leon has been so key, and I, I do kind of wonder if Juninho's method uh, d- d- is doing too much to disprivilege uh, or to disincentivize those academy players.
1: Yeah. I, so, I, it seems to be... Uh... Something look at that! I may mean, have been sorry, broken. just
2: just as a as a coda. Sorry, I mean Guerry.
1: Hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, you know,
2: I, I, yeah. I mean, the more I see of him, the the more I'm doubting the wisdom of letting him depart, especially for that price.
1: Hmm there may be a point in um, the academy being broken uh, I've, I've actually been tried. i don't know if we uh, i uh, i I've mentioned it on the on the podcast but uh, i always thought that uh, grigory Coupe not being goalkeepers uh, goalkeepers um, coach anymore and going to dijon was uh, very strange because it used to be joel bass i mean uh, very very historical figure at Olympique and he was going to be, he, he was replaced by Grégoire Couper, who as everybody everybody knows was the uh, Lyon goalkeeper when they were invincible, when they won uh, mm-hmm. um, five or six titles in a row and then you've got Couper leaving for Dijon, it just seems like, uh, yes, some, some kind of stability is not as stable as it may look, but, but I don't know, this is just me um, uh, it's, just, it's just a general comment, I mean I haven't really analysed what, what's been going on at boardroom level, but uh, seem, it seems it seems strange. Just, yeah, uh, no,
0: I think I think it's fair to say. I mean, certainly the stability behind the scenes doesn't seem to be there, and you know, Janino coming in uh, I, as, as as Eric said, it certainly does seem like there isn't that same kind of um, same kind of synthesis between the first team and the academy, perhaps that we've seen. Uh, in previous years and it is so important to Lyon and also um you know even as you say bringing in the transfer strategy you know it doesn't seem like so many players who you think that guy's going to be in the, the spine of the next great Lyon side it doesn't really seem like that's happening so much but look we 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 could talk about Lyon all day I think it's important that we do uh, give a brief mention to their opponents uh Rams um not Neem. I have a um um my main question with them really is that that's the, that was the fifth red card in 12 matches that they've um, received in Liga on this season. Um, Phil, is it fair to say that this season they've been kind of been the architects of their own downfall in a way? And the second part to that is, is there a discipline problem at, um, at the club, you know, in the way that they play perhaps, or that's kind of, yeah, entrenched um, this season? <sighs>
1: uh I think I think it's mostly uh, it's mostly been um, uh, shall we say uh, um, not being not being able to to avoid them. Maybe it's a defensive it's a defensive uh, ethos um, that they had to uh, to implement after such a terrible first first run of results. So a very aggressive play, but some some mistakes have been uh, uh, have been made. But uh, generally, generally speaking, I think it's basically uh, some clumsy, clumsy challenges. Uh, after clumsy challenges in, in in each game, I mean, uh, they have been. Uh, they, it's not like they have loads, and loads of uh, of red cards. They've only got Actually, much as they have. They have loads. Of, they have loads of red cards. That's not what I wanted to say. Sorry, um, but just yeah, just uh, think it's, it's it's basically how they how they're set up and uh, just being uh, uh, sometimes uh, sometimes careless. Sometimes something else. I mean, not uh, yeah, not not as good, not as good defensively in some games. But you know, in some games they can, they can, they can, uh, they can be very good defensively. So uh, this time around, they they lost three nails, They they were manned down for quite uh, quite early on. So yeah, uh, I, I think it's uh, it's it's uh, swings and roundabouts for for and it's it's a bad one. Uh, right now, but uh, you, you asked me the same question in a month, it could be it could be a, a perfectly fine one. You just uh, just don't know. It's uh, yeah. Right right now, it's uh, it's not it's not a good period, but it may it may it may change. And again uh, again, the uh, the the, uh, the coach has the players' confidence, so uh, they, they'll just have to uh, to to pick up from there and keep and keep going. They're playing Nice next up, so that may be, you know, easy win,
0: perhaps. In could time.
1: be, you know, could be. Yeah, yeah <laughs> a Reason to be optimistic at least.
0: Indeed. Well, um, that will be it in terms of our league on, uh, or I should say, more detailed league on coverage. But I would like to end the show by opening up the floor to the panel, uh, just to see if there's anything that we haven't covered that they would like to. Uh, bring to the table and share with us all. So if you guys can come up with something, that would be be brilliant. Uh, Mo, let's start with you. What What's kind of caught your eye this week uh, in the realm of French football?
3: Yeah, something I touched upon during the uh, Marseille segment earlier on um, is I think, you know, we, we're we going to have to start looking at seriously the, the competitive, you know, balance in Ligue 1, which also Eric touched upon, but also the quality or the perceived quality um, as, as you know, the, the six uh, European clubs, uh, the ones that participate in Europe, one's already knocked out, so the remaining five, have only won five between them. And obviously, between, that's mainly between PSG and, and Lille, um, and, and obviously one from Nice. But in particular, Marseille, Rennes and Nice have all struggled. And, and you know, most of them are you know, in the top seven um, of the table at the moment. Uh, you know, I don't exactly know what's what's gone on. You know, in this COVID affected season, there has been ideas of you know the league getting stronger and more financially um, rewarded. Um, obviously, the Neymar and Mbappe boom from twenty seventeen has looked to have faded a little bit. Um, and even even Canal Plus, when negotiating this new you know TV deal that they might get from from telephone, have long said that the rights aren't exactly as valuable as you think they are because the quality of football isn't that good. I mean we even had a situation in France yesterday where uh Nice the, East, the East and Dijon that game was shunted onto another channel because uh the television broadcaster thought the Formula One race would be more rewarding spectacle for its spectators, mm-hmm. which for, for other reasons turned you know turned out to be true. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's just going to show the state of the game at the moment. And I think you know in this COVID affected world with this cancellation of the French Cup, with the cancellation of last season's tournament and the way that these decisions are being made, can we really say that Ligue 1 should be within the top five um, leagues in, in the world? And, and if so, if it is for now, what direction is that going to head into for the next couple of years?
0: yeah i think it's certainly worrying and you know given all of the chaos that is going on with the uh, media pro um, money not coming through and you know this uh, this supposed attempt for uh, by canal plus to buy the rights oh. but of course for significantly less you know this this could have big ramifications and in a year where ligue 1 really you know and it, it has fallen off, almost fallen behind in terms of competitiveness in Europe, but which seems ridiculous to say, you know, given how well Lyon and Paris Saint-Germain did in the, uh, in the summer. But, but, you know, it is, it is certainly um, a, a worrying time, um, as Mo points out, you, you, you really have to say. Um, Phil, what about you? What's, what's caught your eye?
1: Um, so the pandemic, the lockdown is uh, semi over in, in France since uh, Saturday. We don't really know when we'll be allowed to go back to games. It's going to be either December 15th or this or January 20th, so which January 20th at the latest. So since November 1st, uh, Division Four and Five, well actually only the top three divisions, so Liga, Ligue 2, and National One, um, have been able to to play every weekend with uh, no no fans allowed, absolutely none, which is uh, you know fair enough, being a, being a long down. But the problem is, uh, we have a Coupe de France where it's uh, very much like in England, where you get the first round, and the second round, it's the lower leagues, and then in January and um, in January uh, you get uh, all the Championship and Premiership sides for the third round, basically. In France, you get uh, French Cup uh, round seven and eight, and this is bit, uh, I think I think we stopped the competition at round at round six. So there's the lower leagues who still have to play round six, and then you have to incorporate league do sides for round seven and eight, which basically means when the non league sides are going to resume playing because they can't play we don't we, um, i actually i don't know if it's been decided but we we don't know i don't know when. Are allowed to be playing resuming uh, league games, so between themselves, between amateurs, you know, and then you have to count the amount of time where the uh, where the players will be will be fit enough to play these Coupe de France ga- games. Then you have to incorporate league 2 sides, and then you have to play the round of 32, which is uh, 64 uh, 32 games with 64 sides, which usually happens in January. And then the Coupe de France goes uh, follows its course until the final in late April uh, at the Stade de France. But but now, everything is going to be uh, postponed, basically, and Ligue 1 sides won't be able to play the Coupe de France in the first week of January like it usually does. And we don't know uh, how it's going to pan out. Now, I'll admit that I didn't really think about the Coupe de France when the government said, uh, OK, non-league sides can, uh, uh, cannot play anymore. And there's a very, very strong possibility that the Coupe de France will be avoided this uh, season, which I think is the best course of action, or maybe play play a Coupe de France without without a professional professional side, which is a bit, you know, dumb. Um, so yeah, that's uh, I think uh, I think. Uh, it just just shows to you it would be it would be quite stupid of the of the French FA to say no we're still going to get there we're still going to squeeze the games in until uh, until May given that uh, uh, the players have a, a euro to compete to well, straight afterwards so we shall see but it's uh, yeah it's a bit uh, watch uh, watch this space.
0: Watch this! Watch this space, indeed. And I, I you know, I, I, I hear you, Phil, and that you know it does seem a bit ludicrous trying to cram in all of the games, um, especially as kind of comprehensive as the Coupe de France is, and considering what it involves. You know, that's, lest we forget, kind of teams from overseas competing as well in in French territories. So, you know, it, do, it does seem a bit ludicrous. But equally, you know, amateur football, you think, is going to be is going to be struggling um, um, given the circumstances. So, you know, I guess there are positives and negatives and it does seem very kind of surreal um you know the leagues all stopping last year was surreal enough but having no coupe de france um would uh would be uh, would be very surreal indeed um eric finally let's go to you what would you like to bring to the table
2: yeah i just like to highlight the uh, another strong performance from sophia and job um i think that you know by and large you know we've been impressed with this Monaco side, and I think that a lot of plaudits have rightly gone to uh, the likes of Axel Sassi, uh, Winston Ben Yedder, Kevin Volans hitting his stride, uh, but Diop scored his third goal of the season, uh, you know, not playing from a scoring position. He's played wide on the right in this match. He's also played been played as a central midfielder as well, uh, but I think it was down to his effort, down to his pressing, and I think that you know, not only has he had a strong start to the season individually, but also I think that he is, you know, a really good example, emblematic even, of the way that Niko Kovac wants this team to play. And his individual success, uh, you know, I think is a great representation of what Monaco are able to do and how how hard these players are working for Niko Kovac and a good example of why they have success. You know, I really think we have a compelling race for the Champions League because the teams that you've got, uh, you know, nipping at the heels of of Lille and PSG, Monaco, Montpellier, and Lyon have a all all already played each other this half of the season. B are not involved in Europe. Uh, there's no reason to think that these teams. You know, Lyon have played PSG in a fortnight. We'll see how that that unfurls. But again, that'll be coming after that match against Besiktas. P- here, you know, we we've got you know a real dogfight for the European places. As we've seen that. Uh, you know, Lille and Wren are not quite, perhaps, able to balance things as well as we thought they were were, were able to. You know, um, six weeks or a month ago. Uh, so, you know, props to Kovac for you know getting Monaco up to where the club aspired to be, and and, uh, and props for Sophie and Job to you know become an unexpectedly uh, integral part of of that of that Monaco eleven.
0: Yeah, indeed. He's he's looked he's looked brilliant of late and uh, yeah, and it's great to see and and I think I said at the top of the show, you know, although obviously things are it's looking a bit kind of doom and gloom, um, given Ligan's kind of general competitiveness, at least this season in Europe, it is it is pretty compelling what is going on at the top of the table. You know, I think it's the closest top five in Europe's top five leagues so far. So exciting stuff. Thanks, Eric. Um, I'd just like to give uh, last but definitely not least a big shout out to um, France, the French women's national team who beat Austria 3-0 the other day to uh, qualify um, officially for the European Championships. Um, uh, However, uh, as Pierre-Paul kind of brilliantly talked about when he came on the show a couple of weeks ago, you know, things are certainly not all rosy in their camp um we had french captain amandine henry substituted in the 60th minute and prior to that earlier in the week we had more kind of in the drama between uh, the players and coach corinne Diacre, uh, specifically henry who uh, was uh, reportedly threatened uh, by the coach who said in life you pay for everything uh, following henry's appearance on canal plus explaining her unhappiness so you know, watch this space in terms of what's going on there. It's, it really is reaching boiling point and And uh, the team host Kazakhstan tomorrow. But well done to them for qualifying for the Euros. We look forward to that. Um, and of course, wish uh, the league 1 side better fortunes this week in Europe. You know, Lille will have a crucial match against Sparta Prague coming on Thursday, uh, qualify with a win there. And um, uh, Ren have a, have a big game coming up, uh, of course, against Krasnodar to perhaps try and, uh, try and uh, secure Europa League qualification or at least kind of take a step towards that. That will be all from us this evening. Thanks very much for joining me tonight, guys. Uh, as always, make sure you're following us at GFFN on Twitter uh, for all the latest news from the world of French football. And please check out our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com. I'm Jake Smales, and I've been joined by Philippe Bargiel, Mohamed Ali and Eric Devin. Stay safe, enjoy the football and have a great week.